for, a birth, for my birthday. I got it for a birthday present in December. And so when I, I got this, I said, I made the statement, I said, if the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, I'm going to wear that, shirt, that sweatshirt on Sunday, that Sunday night and preach uh, with that sweatshirt on. Little did I know that it would be 75 degrees outside. <laughs> when, I, when I made that statement, but it is uh, a little bit warm. But uh, anyway, uh, that's that's what I'm why I'm wearing that tonight. All right, praise God. Are you there? Philippians chapter number three, and um, I'm. These are familiar verses of Scripture. Actually, again, the the verses that I'm going to read and, and minister from tonight were in one of the songs that we sang this evening and talking about pressing forward and pushing every hindrance out of our way. And uh, that's kind of like a football game. You got to knock the you got to knock the opponent out of the way and get to the goal. Isn't that right? How many how many of you all know that the apostle Paul um, you know, had, had he was a sports fan, and I, I believe that he was because he wrote about sports analogies in the Word of God on several occasions. I used these verses of Scripture not too long ago in one of our uh, in one of our uh, prayer services so as a devotional for one of our prayer meetings. But in the book of Philippians, Paul is talking here again using a sports analogy. He, he used the analogy uh, of, of sports several times in the Word of God, but let's read from verse number 10. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10. Now I'm going to read some Scripture, share a few simple thoughts with you tonight, all right? Verse number 10, Philippians 3, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus." Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. We need to narrow things down and focus on one thing in our life, and that's pleasing the Lord and making heaven our home. Can I get an amen? This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And that word perfect doesn't mean to be sinless, uh, sinlessly perfect, where you never make a mistake or you never sin, but it's talking about completeness and it's talking about spiritual maturity. And he said, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal even this unto you. Someone said, 
Someone made a statement one time and said, one writer wrote this actually and said that the game of life is a lot like football. I don't know how many football fans that we have in this congregation tonight, but he said the game of life is a lot like football. You have to tackle your problems, block your fears, and score points when you get the opportunity. Vince Lombardi, the great coach of the Green Bay Packers from many years ago, said football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect of authority. Paul talked about that self-denial aspect in those who are running a race. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, he said that all who run in a race, everybody that's in that race, all of them run, but only one receives the prize. And then he said, so run. You need to run. He likened, he likened the Christian life to a race that we're running in. And he said, run so you may obtain. And he talked about those runners. And he talked about, Paul did, about those athletes, how that they would discipline themselves. How that they would, they would, they would discipline their bodies to make sure that they were in the most, the, the best physical shape and condition that they could be in before they entered into those Grecian games, before they got into the race, before they got into whatever athletic event that they were going to be in, they made sure that they were physically and mentally ready for that event so that they could win. And so I believe that 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 analogy fits the Christian life as well. I, I know football didn't exist in Bible times, but I do believe from what the writings of Paul are, uh, I believe that he probably would have been a fan because he uses sports analogy all the time. The primary sports in Paul's day were running, boxing, and wrestling. And he used those three analogies in the Word of God to liken, the, to liken and to compare the Christian life too, didn't he? He talked about the Christian life being a race that we run in, that we run in a race. He likened the Christian life to being a boxing match. He said, so fight I not as one that beats the air, or I'm not, in other words, I'm not just shadow boxing, I'm going for the knockout blow. There is an opponent, there's an enemy, there is opposition that comes against us as Christians. We know that's a fact. Paul talked about wrestling not uh, against flesh and blood, but he said we're wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. So he uses those things to illustrate the Christian life, running the race, boxing, being in a boxing match, being in a wrestling match. And so in this text that I read from Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul gives us another example of our, um, our, our Christian life, our Christian race, our Christian walk. And he uses in Philippians 3, again, another sports analogy. And I just want to briefly tonight give you three things from, from, from this scripture of how life, I want to compare it with football, with the game of football. And I want you to look at three ways, three ways that life is like football. 
And number one is this. It's not over in any sport, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's uh, a track meet, running a race, in any sport, it's not over until it's over. I think we've, we've seen that. How many have ever watched sporting events where you've seen somebody come back from being really far behind and uh, maybe had almost been counted out of the game? But uh, the victory, they came back from a deficit, came back from apparent defeat to win the victory because it's not over until it's over. Sometimes in our walk with the Lord, in our, in our walk with Jesus, has anybody been the place where you've been up against opposition and you felt like you couldn't go on or maybe been knocked down and felt like that you've been knocked out of the game or knocked out of the race? You know what you got to do? You got to get right back up and get right back in the race and right back in the game. Because listen to me, saints, victory always comes to the team that stays in the game and is the most willing to play the hardest until the very end, until the very finish. Quitters never win and winners never quit. Amen. I think we know that to be a fact. And in this text in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 12, the Apostle Paul speaks of that which he had not yet attained. He talked about apprehending something that he hadn't apprehended yet. And uh, we know from these verses and from many others in Paul's writings that Paul's greatest desire was to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to experience Christ in a more intimate way in his life. Now, when you think about the life of the Apostle Paul, I mean, he is a, a per, he's the, the example of what a child of God, what a Christian, a victorious Christian is supposed to be. But he says here in these verses, he said, he said, I, I had not, not as though I had already attained, not as though I were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended. Brethren, he said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He knew that he hadn't crossed the finish line yet. He knew that he wasn't at the place yet in his life or in his walk with God where the Lord had intended him to be. And I think that's something we need to understand tonight that there is room in every one of our lives tonight to know the Lord Jesus Christ more intimately than we ever have before. That should be one, probably our main goal tonight is to make sure that we are more acquainted, more personally acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ, to know Him. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Well, I think we would all agree tonight that the Apostle Paul knew the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we would all agree tonight that he had... Um 
had met the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, we know that from reading the book of Acts, you know, in Acts chapter 9, where, where Paul was, was on, it, on that road to Damascus, and Jesus visited him, and a light shone from heaven and knocked him off his horse. And right there on that Damascus road, Paul got born again, and he had an encounter with the Lord, and he met the Lord. But you know, there's a difference in meeting someone and knowing someone. Amen? There's a lot of people that have met Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus in an intimate way. And I'm going to tell you something today, that tonight, that, 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 that you know, it doesn't matter however many years you've been living for Jesus, uh, there's still room for spiritual growth, and there's still room for improvement in every single one of our lives tonight. Oh, hallelujah. See, that's my desire. I pray that be the desire of every one of us here tonight, that we would reach that goal, and we would have that desire to apprehend and to attain that for which the Lord Jesus Christ has apprehended us. Can I get an amen? Paul said, oh, that I may know him. See, that was the secret to Paul's victorious life. That was the key and the secret to Paul's holy life. He had a desire to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a more intimate way. He said, not only that I may know him, but that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. To know the power of his resurrection. What is he talking about? He's talking about the miraculous power, the same spirit and the power that raised Jesus from the dead after those three days and three nights in that tomb. Now, it took some power to raise Jesus from the dead. It was supernatural, miraculous power, resurrection power. But can I tell you something tonight? That the same spirit, now I'm about to get now I'm about to get happy on you. The same spirit, the same power, the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. Where is that power tonight? Up in heaven somewhere? No, that same power that raised Jesus, that same spirit, Romans 8 and 11 says that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of you. And he, that spirit in you, will give life to your mortal bodies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. That's the key to victory. And that's the key to living uh, an overcoming life is to, is to allow that resurrection power to control your life. See, Paul wanted to experience. He wanted to experience. His desire was to experience the life-transforming, miracle-working, sin-crushing resurrection power of Jesus Christ in his life. And can I tell you something tonight, ch church? The only way we can be victorious, the only way we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, the only way that we can overcome sin in our life is not in our own strength, not in our own power, but through that resurrection power that dwells on the inside of every born-again believer. Can you give God praise tonight? Amen? See, Paul is pursuing here absolute Christ-likeness. That's what he desires for every one of us. 
He, he wants to be as close to the Lord Jesus Christ as he can. But notice something about Paul's life. He had not yet attained to the place where he wanted to be. Remember, remember, he hadn't reached the goal yet. He was, he was still pressing toward the mark because it ain't over tell it's over. Sometimes you feel defeated. Sometimes you feel like you're not going to make it. Sometimes it seems like, Lord, am I ever going to get to that place that, that I need to be in you? Maybe there's somebody tonight that is struggling with some particular besetting sin in your life and you've been knocked down and you've failed and you've got back up and it seems like and the devil's saying, you just well give up. You just well quit. You're not going to be able to, uh, to win the victory or overcome this. I want you to know something tonight, saints of God. It ain't over till it over till it's over. And if you won't quit, and if you won't give up, and if you'll stay in the game, and if you'll stay in the race, and if you'll keep pressing forward, I'm telling you the power of the Holy Ghost will work with you and in you and through you and give you the victory that you need in your life. Amen. Praise God. He was seeking for that absolute, total uh, Christ-likeness in his life. As I said, not a, not a sinlessness, not a sinless perfection where he never made a mistake or never did anything wrong, not a faultlessness, but to be complete and to be mature in Christ. And I believe that every one of us here tonight are in different different levels and different stages of spiritual maturity in our life. You believe that? Some are, some are more uh, mature than others. Some new, 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 Christ, new Christians, newly born again believers, are in the babyhood stage. Some then are in the childhood stage. Some are in an adolescent stage. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we're growing to that adulthood stage in our spiritual walk with God. And the goal is total, absolute Christ-likeness. It won't be fully attained. That complete perfection and Christ-likeness won't be fully attained until we experience what Brother Dave sang about tonight, that midnight cry, that trump of God sounding, the dead in Christ rising, and we which are, who are alive being changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye and caught up together to be with the Lord. That is when we will have attained that complete Christ-likeness in our life. But until that day comes. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to hit the line every day. I'm going to knock down every devil that gets in my way. I'm going to run this race with patience. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. How many's going with me tonight? Praise God. Hallelujah. It ain't over till it's over. You may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. Amen. I've been knocked down, so have you. But you got to get back up and get back in the game and get back in the race because, listen, we are all, every one of us are a work in progress. By the grace of God, listen, by the grace of God, we are none of us what we used to be, but thank God that we are not yet what we will be. We have something wonderful to look forward to tonight as children of Almighty God. 
Stay in the game, church. No matter as I preached to you this morning about some things that 2020 cannot change. This new year is going to have some changes. But there's some things that remain the same. But no matter what obstacles you face, no matter what the devil puts in your way, make your determination tonight on this Sunday night. I'm going to stay in the game. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Amen, Brother Glenn. I'm staying in the race. I'm staying in the game. Amen. Amen. Emmett Smith was, is the rushing, the um, NFL, NFL's leading rusher. Played for the Dallas Cowboys most of his career. Played the last couple of years, I think, for the Arizona Cardinals. But Emmett Smith holds the rushing title in the NFL. And uh, in his career, he rushed for 18,355 yards. Holds the record. He rushed for those 18,355 yards on 4,409 carries. 4,409 times he got the football and ran with the football. And the average was, his, his average of yards per carry was 4.2 yards. So his average was that, you know, figure it out. Every, of course, some runs were longer than that. Some were shorter. But he averaged 4.2 yards. So to attain that, that record, that goal, every 4.2 yards, he was getting knocked down. Amen. Several times in a game, he was getting knocked down as every running back does. They get knocked down, but they don't stay down. They get back up. He would have never attained that, that record, rushing record, if he had given up. If he would have said, well, every time I get the ball, somebody knocks me down. Every time I get the ball, I get tackled. Those big guys out there keep knocking me down every time I have the ball. No, he got back up. And he said, give me the ball again. I got knocked down once, but I want to get back in the game. Give me the ball and let me run it again. Hallelujah. And he ran it 4,400 and some odd times and set the record. Listen, you're going to get knocked down in the game of life. You're going to have some difficulty in the game of life. You're going to go through some hard times. But I'm telling you what, if you want to reach the goal, you got to get back up and say, give me the ball one more time. Put me in car. I'm ready to play. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. I'm preaching to Glenn tonight anyway. If I ain't preaching to anybody else, he's getting blessed. Amen. Amen. Stay in the game. Praise God. Stay in the game. It's not over till it's over. Number two, how life is like football. Number two. You got to know, and this is football, uh, running, whatever. You got to know which direction that you're going in. You got to go in the right direction. Amen? You got to know the direction you're headed. Look what Paul said 
in that 13th and 14th verse. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. I've told this story before, but uh, I, I think it, it, it illustrates this point. But in 1929, in the Rose Bowl game of 1929, two college teams were playing. I don't remember exactly which two teams it was, but these two college teams were playing in the Rose Bowl. And the game was scoreless, and it was in the second quarter. And there was a man, there was a young man by the name of Roy Regals that was on the one team. And in the middle of the second quarter, the opposing team fumbled the ball on the 30-yard line. And there was Roy Regals, and he saw the fumble, and he reached down, and, and he scooped up the fumble, and he began to run toward the goal line. The only problem was Roy had become disoriented and he was running in the wrong direction. He was running toward the opponent's goal line and he had, didn't have a clue. I mean, man, he's excited. He's, got, he's recovered a fumble. He's going to score a touchdown. You know, there's, you know why none of the opponents were trying to tackle him? Because he, he was the only one didn't realize he was going in the wrong way. Finally, one of his own teammates tackled him just short of the goal line to prevent him from scoring a touchdown for the opponents. But from that day onward, they talked about Roy Regals and they called him Wrong Way Roy. Wrong Way Roy. Well, can I tell you something tonight? I don't want to be known as Wrong Way Ricky. Come on, somebody. I want to make sure, and I want you to make sure sure that we're headed in the right direction. We got to be running toward the goal, pressing toward the mark, and heading toward the right direction. All the speed, all the talent, all the effort in the pursuit of a wrong goal will never accomplish anything. We got to make sure we're headed the right way in this new year. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now the text gives us two directions. Paul mentions two directions. He talks about what is behind and he talks about what is ahead. He talks about the past and he talks about the future. And do you know that the past is the future's worst enemy? Your past, you need to write that down. Your past is your future's worst enemy. Because as long as any of us live in the past and are always looking back, we'll never have our eye on the goal of where God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. Can I get an amen? See, listen to me, saints. None of us can live in that past. No one gets to live life backwards. We have got to look ahead because that is where 
where our future is is before us. It's ahead of us. The only time we're ever to glance back is just to remember what God has brought us out of, what God has done for us in the past. But we cannot live our life looking in the back, looking behind us, looking over our shoulder. How many touch? How many? How many running backs or wide receivers have been tackled just before they scored a touchdown? Because at that last minute, they looked over their shoulder just to see who might be behind them. And it was just enough to slow them down just a little bit so that the opponent, their opponent, could tackle them. We can't be looking over our shoulder at what happened in the past. We can't be looking over our shoulder at what went on in the past. We've got to focus on what's in front of us, on what's ahead. All of us have a past, and there's things in our past that we wish we could go back and change and redo. I've got some things I'd like to go back and change, but you can't put toothpaste back in the tube once it's been squeezed out. God says, get your eye on the goal line. Look forward. Look ahead. Forget what's behind and reach out to what's before you. Oh, yeah. In your car, you have a windshield. And in your car, you have a rear view mirror. And the rear view mirror or the windshield is considerably larger. <laughs> is it not? Than the rear view mirror. And there's a reason for that. Because you can't drive down the road forward looking in the rear view mirror. You just glance up there just occasionally to see what's behind you. But you've got to drive and move forward looking through the windshield. That's the way that it is with life. Are you hearing me tonight? That's the way God wants us to live our life. We can't live in the shadow of, of our past. We can't live in the shadow of past mistakes and sins. As I said, we've all done things we wish we could take back. We've all done things that we wish we could change. But we, we've got to move ahead. God forgives. Listen, I know there's things that, that probably we've done and things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And uh, you know what the devil wants you to do is live in that constant condemnation and guilt of what you used to be or what you used to do or the mistakes that even maybe you made yesterday or this past week. And the devil wants to camp out on your shoulder and say, well, aren't you really something? You claim to be a Christian. Look what you've done. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, thank God, thank God, thank God for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that when we miss it and when we falter and when we fail, if we confess those sins, he will wash us and forgive us and cleanse us from our sin and our unrighteousness. You don't have to live under the guilt and the condemnation of yesterday. You've got a God who loves you, as we talked about this morning. You've got a God who will lead you and guide you and help you along life's way. And when he forgives, God forgives and God forgets and God washes that mistake and that blunder and that failure away. And Paul said, I'm forgetting what I was. I'm forgetting the past and I'm reaching out to that which is is before me so many today are living 
imprisoned by their past, imprisoned by bitterness and anger, not letting go of the wrongs that have been done in the past to them or by them. But we've got to, if we're going to move forward for God, we have to forgive, we have to forget, we have to let it go, go, and we have to get our eye on the goal line and on what's before us and on what's ahead of us. How many agree with that? See, life, yeah. Life is like football. You got to play the whole game. You got to stay in there. You've got to persevere. And you've got to remember which direction you're headed. I'm not living in yesterday, but I'm living in today. And I'm looking ahead to the future. And my eye is on the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Does that make any sense to you? Don't be a wrong way, Roy. I know why they call these sweatshirts. So number one, stay in the game because it's not over till it's over. You get knocked down, get back up. Keep on going. Keep on pressing. Number two, know which direction you're going in. Turn facing forward. Don't be looking and living at the past, but press on ahead. And number three, always remember what team you're on. Always remember what team you're on. That's why players wear uniforms. Y'all came in here tonight. You didn't have any, there was no question about who Pastor Rick wants to win the game tonight. Is that right? You know which team I'm for. But that's why the players have uniforms. Because no quarterback wants to intentionally pass the ball to the wrong player. He doesn't want to throw a pass uh, to a member of the other team. No one wants to tackle his own runner Unless it's wrong way, Roy, and you got to stop him from scoring a touchdown. But nobody wants to, to do that. You don't want to block your own teammate. You're wanting to block the opposing, the, the member of the opposing team. So we've got to remember. We've got to know and remember what team we're on. And here's the, here's the thought, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight. The winning team, the team that wins is just exactly that. They are a team. Are you getting it? They're a team. They're playing together. They're working together. That's why, you know, you, you call, we call our singers and musicians a worship team. Amen? We are all on the same side. Well, I've got down to one amen now. But a winning team, that's the key, folks, to the victory is playing as a team. A team that spends its energy fighting one another will never be a team that is victorious. Are you with me? If you can get a 
baseball team, football team, whatever team it is, if there's contention between the players, they will not play up to their potential and they'll never be victorious as they should be or as they could be if they were united together as a team. They'll never be able to defeat their opponents if they're not united together as one. Jesus made mention of that, you know, and he said that a house divided against itself can't stand, that, 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 that it'll fall. He said if Satan be divided, a kingdom be divided against itself, it can't stand. A house divided can't stand. A team divided can't stand. And can I say this? A church divided. A church divided cannot stand. That's why there has to be unity and everyone rally around the pastor and the leadership of the church and everybody understand we're all one in this and we're on the same team. Amen? And if you read that book of Philippians, several places throughout the book of Philippians, um, Paul uh, stresses the theme of unity in that book. And, and I won't take the time to read them tonight, but in in, in chapter 1 and verse 27, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, chapter 2 and verse 14, chapter 4 and verse 2, those were scriptures where Paul is stressing unity in that church at Philippi. There had been some division there. There had been some problems that, that had arisen in that church. There were two ladies, if you read in uh, chapter 4, Paul's admonishing these two ladies to come together and to be at peace with one another and to work out their differences. The word had come to Paul that these two women in the church were on the outs. We don't know why, but there was a problem there. There was a contention there. And over and over he says, you've got to be one. Oh, he said, if you want to fulfill my joy. In other words, Paul said, if you want to make me a happy preacher, he said, you all get along. He said, let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but everybody love one another and be at peace among yourselves and be together in unison. That was the one thing that Jesus prayed for before he went to Calvary in that great high priestly prayer in John 17. Jesus prayed, Father, that they may be one even as you and I are one. There must be a unity. I'm telling you, teamwork is dream work. And when we work together and pray together and work as a team to fight the enemy and to fight the opposing side which is Satan and all his cohorts God can and will bless abundant life family church in a great and a mighty way Woo! never forget which team you're on we are on team Jesus Amen. We are on Team Jesus. And teamwork and unity is the key to victory. The key to victory. Amen. Stay in the game. I want to admonish you. Stay in the game. Don't let nothing knock you out of the game. Because it's not over till it's over. Know which direction you're headed. And focus your eyes upon the goal and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And know what team you're on. We're on Team Jesus. And we're all working together.
in unity and harmony. Psalm 133 talks about unity and how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And he says that that is where the Lord commands the blessing, where there's unity in the body of Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to come tonight. Praise God. Amen. Listen. Life is like football. It's like baseball. It's like track. It's like a wrestling match. It's like a boxing match. It's like a sporting event. There's some lessons worth remembering there. But there's one big difference. There's one big difference in football and life. And the big difference is this. Football is a game. Life is real. They'll give away a Vince Lombardi trophy tonight to the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I'm positive. I'm being positive. But let me tell you something. There's more involved in your life and my life tonight than a championship trophy. There's more involved in our life tonight than a heavyweight belt. Amen? There's more involved than a World Series or anything else. More at stake because Paul said those Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, those, those uh, runners run to obtain a corruptible crown, a crown that soon will fade away. But he said, we're in a different race. He said, we're striving for an incorruptible crown. I'm not worried about the World Series trophies or the Vince Lombardi trophies or the heavyweight titles. But I am concerned about one thing. I want to be able to stand before Jesus one day and have him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's you a crown of life that will never fade away, that will never pass away, that nobody can ever take away. It's not a, about a Super Bowl ring tonight. It's about making heaven our home and living eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. 